Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. That's 10 people whose bodies were made well because Jesus paid a price. Because Jesus paid a price. I would submit to you that those 10 people would not have been made well if we didn't just take a chance and pray. If we didn't take a chance and pray. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are wonderful. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're wonderful. He wants to do more than we realize. He wants to do more than we realize. Let's go to John 14 this morning. I want to talk to you about dwelling places. Dwelling places. John 14. Has it been good? Thank you, Lord. We, I, I say, um, I'll just, while you're turning there, 80% or better, the reason I say that, well, first of all, um, Randy Clark uh, uses that number, 80% or better, because Omar Cabrera, who taught him, who, who helped mentor him, is the one who used 80% or better. But the reason he uses that number, 80% or better, because oftentimes the Lord will begin a work in someone that doesn't finish until minutes hours, sometimes even a day later. But 80% is significant enough that you can tell that the Lord has begun a significant, um, genuine work in somebody. Does that make sense? And that number begins to build faith in the room. So if I said, if you're 50% or better, you might go, "Ah, I don't know. I don't really know. What is 50%? But if I said, are you 100% or better or not? Maybe nobody in the room waves their hand because you might say, well, I'm actually 99.5% better, but I'm not actually 100% better. And so then you begin to doubt, am I actually 100% better? I don't know. I need to wait till I get home. I need to wait till I'm cooking. I need to wait till I'm cleaning. I need to wait till I get myself in this certain position. 80% or better gives you an opportunity to step into the faith of what God is doing and partner with what he's doing in the moment. So that's why it's not just some random, I mean, I guess kind of, it's a, it's a number that is significant enough to partner with what God is doing, but also, also give room for the Holy Spirit to complete what he's doing. And I would say, if you're in the room this morning and you are 80% or better, but not 100% yet, to continue to just lean into the presence of the Lord, because he will finish that work. Okay? Okay. John 14. This doesn't have anything to do with that, but this is really good. John 14. I'm going to set the scene for you. Let's read a couple verses, then let's set the scene, okay? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm in the NASB. If you have mansions, uh, write, if you have the King James Version and it says mansions, write dwelling places in the margin if you can. And if you do have dwelling places in your Bible, would you underline it? If you have a pen, we're going to come back to it. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And let's underline, I will come again also. 
and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in the house. We thank you that you've come to glorify the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have moved mightily in this place. We thank you for two precious souls that are eternally yours. We thank you, Jesus, that they are now in your hand and absolutely nothing can take them out of your hand. Nothing. Lord, we thank you for the bodies that you've touched in this place already and even more that you will touch throughout the day, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the baptisms that we will get a chance to see today. And Lord, we thank you for this word, your eternal, living, breathing word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear and see what you would want us to know today. Open us today, Lord. Open us and do surgery on our hearts today, Lord. Put a seed deep inside of us, Lord, and bring forth fruit for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The context for John 12 or for John 14 is, of course, the chapters leading up. Um, John's gospel is interesting that things slow way down when we get to Holy Week, which is where we are. John 12 is the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, in John 12, at the very beginning of John 12, we have Jesus at the um, supper that has been prepared for him at Martha's house in Bethany. He's with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They want to kill Jesus. They also want to kill Lazarus because Lazarus has risen from the dead. And he is such a testimony to Jesus. And people are believing not just on account of Jesus, but on account of Lazarus and his testimony that the Pharisees decide it wouldn't just be good for us to kill Jesus. We ought to kill that Lazarus guy too. So Lazarus has to die not just once, but twice. So as cool as the resurrection probably was, dying twice probably wasn't that cool. So after that scene in chapter 12, we move into the beginning of what we call Holy Week. Jesus comes into Jerusalem in his procession, riding on a donkey. We have the, the um, prophecy from Zechariah where he's coming in. They're cutting off palm branches. They're throwing down their clothing. They're throwing down the palm branches and they're crying Hosanna. And this is the beginning of what we would call the end of the, his earthly gospel message and gospel ministry. Chapter 12 concludes with that. Chapter 13, we move into the feast where Jesus is dining with his disciples. We really only see dialogue with the 12, but it's likely that there's more than the 12 there because of the conversations they're having. For instance, they ask, who is the one who's going to betray you? Can I just tell you, if there's only 12 of them there, there's, it's pretty easy to start doing math. If there's only 12 of them there and Jesus goes, hey, it's the one who I'm giving this bread to, or it, and, and Peter's asking John, hey, lean back on his chest and ask him, and there's only 12 people there, you can start doing the math pretty easy. So it's likely that the 12 are there and more of the disciples are there. And Jesus, at the end of chapter 13, begins to deliver the hard news pretty explicitly that he has implicitly been telling them, I'm not going to be around much longer. He's been telling them this um, covertly, if you will, but they haven't understood. And now he's telling them as plainly as he can. In chapter 13, verse 33, he says, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. That feels pretty plain. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Throughout the book of John, Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has told the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, hey, I'm going away and you're going to look for me and you're not going to be able to find me. You're not going to have a clue where I'm at. 
And the disciples always thought that was an us versus them kind of thing. And now Jesus is letting the disciples in saying, no, 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 you aren't going to be able to find me either. So we end chapter 13 with this idea that Jesus is going away and it's not just going away from the world. He's going away from everyone. And that is the conclusion of chapter 13, and then we come into chapter 14. The problem is we have the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. But I remind you, up until a couple hundred years ago, we didn't have chapters. We just had one long story. So if we take the chapters out of it, the beginning of chapter 14 is the continuation of a conversation. It is the same table with the same people talking about the same thing, okay? Same table, same people. Same conversation. Jesus says, I'm leaving. I've got to go. You're not going to be able to find me, but don't be worried. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. You believe in God, believe in me. Or you have been believing in God. Keep believing in me is the way you could translate it. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. If you stop reading there, it's hard to understand what Jesus is saying. It's really difficult to know what Jesus is saying. But if you continue reading, Jesus keeps the conversation going. Again, the problem is most of our Bibles have subheaders. So if you get down to verse 7, my Bible has a subheader that says oneness with the Father. Yours probably says something similar. Verses 7 through 15, Philip starts to ask a question about, hey, if you'll just show us the Father, we'll be good. We won't be anxious. We won't be nervous. We won't be scared. We won't be worried. And Jesus has to go slap him around a little bit and go, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Don't worry about it. And then in verse 16, Jesus continues the same conversation. It's not a new conversation. Are you okay? You promise? Okay. All right. My Bible has a new subheading, though. Does yours? It's the same conversation. It's not a different conversation. Verse 16 is the same conversation from the end of chapter 13. And Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. I'm leaving. I'm going away. But don't be worried. Why? Because I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to give you a helper, another helper. I, I know it may sound like a silly example. I, I, was, I was asking the Lord about this yesterday, and I, just to be totally honest with you, can I just be totally honest with you? I don't want to preach this. I want to preach John 15. I want to preach John 15. But I felt like I had to preach this. I, I didn't want to preach this. Because this is one of those messages that people don't jump all over. They don't really like this one. As I'm sitting with the Lord yesterday and I'm trying to understand how to relay the content of what Jesus is saying, I, I, the Lord talked to me the way he often does, through me and my family. I work for a company where I have to travel often. And with that company, I have to take trips and I have to go out of town. And when I go out of town, my boys get upset mostly my oldest. And he doesn't like when I have to go out of town, especially if it's for a couple of days. He'll see me packing the bag, and, and he doesn't like it. And he'll ask questions, where are you going? How long are you staying? When are you coming back? 
I have never comforted my son by saying, one of these days, dad is going to be retired. And when dad's retired, we're going to have all the time in the world together. And I'm never going to have to travel again. And I'm never going to have to pack my bags again. And I'm never going to have to go anywhere again. And we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. It's true. It's true that one of these days I'll be retired and I'll never have to go anywhere and I'll never have to pack my bags again and Sawyer and I can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. But I always comfort my son by letting him know, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Because the more present reality of me returning is a greater hope than the distant reality of my retirement while we'll be together for a longer period of time. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? In the same way, it is true that one day we will be with him forever in eternity. But Jesus says, I'm leaving. Don't get upset. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Why? Because I'm sending you another. I'm sending you someone else to be with you. I'm sending you a helper. It, this word for another in the Greek, I'm going to come back up here. I can... This word for another in the Greek, there are two words for another. There's one word for another that means the chair that Sister Hall is sitting in is another chair from that chair. They're both chairs. They both have a place where you can sit. They both function for you to have rest. They're, they're both chairs. One is another from the other. But there's another, another word in the Greek for another, and that's what this one is. It is the word that means that that chair is another chair from that one. It means that the essence, the quality, the craftsmanship, the characteristics are exactly the same. When Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper, he is saying, I'm sending someone who has the exact same qualities, characteristics, likeness of me. And that is why you can have hope. That is why you can have hope. Scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But delight realized is a river of life. The Holy Spirit is the river of life. When Jesus said, I'm sending you another helper, he was saying, I'm sending you a present help now who will be with you, not in an age to come, but in the here and now, who is just like me who will come and be with you. Yes, I am going, but he is coming and he is just like I am to be with you and to help you. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You guys were happier when people were getting healed. We can pray for more healing if you want. Bad news, it's the Holy Spirit who does it. Because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus says, hey, the Holy Spirit has been with you. How? Because I feel like I didn't break that. He has been with you and now he's going to be in you. Why is Jesus saying this? He is continuing the conversation. Remember. Jesus doesn't start random conversations 
Read through the text. Jesus doesn't start random conversations. When he says the Holy Spirit who has been with you will be in you, he's saying the very same Spirit who has given me peace and hope and joy and enabled me to do the Father's business is the very same Spirit who I am sending to be with and in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I want to hang on a second. It says I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How is it that Jesus is coming to us? Jesus said in verse four, in chapter 14, verse 2, I will come to you. I'm sorry, in chapter 14, verse 3, I will come again. And now he's saying, I will come to you. How is it that Jesus is going to come if it's the Holy Spirit who he's sending? I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come down here because I feel like Either you're asleep or you're mad at me, one of the two. I'm going to just stand down here and take it. I don't care. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What's he saying? I will not leave you as orphans. Why is he saying I won't leave you as orphans? Because they are distraught. Their hearts are broken. They are anxious and nervous and worried. So what is he saying? I am going to do something to remove that from the circumstance. That word for orphans there, you know what it could be translated as? Comfortless. I won't leave you comfortless. Do you know why he won't leave you comfortless? Because he's going to send the comforter. Who is the Holy Spirit. And then he says, semicolon. Do you know what a semicolon does? All my teachers in the room, maybe it's just my wife. It connects two thoughts that are not separate. The two thoughts are connected. They're both about the same thing. He does not say, I will not leave you as orphans, period. I will not leave you as orphans, semicolon. I will come to you. Okay, so is he coming to me or is he sending the Holy Spirit? He is coming in the form of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Acts 16 that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus. This word that, Je that Jesus uses when he says, I will come to you. It's the exact Greek word used in verse 3. The exact same Greek word used in verse 3. And matter of fact, it's not just the same Greek word. It's the same Greek word used in the same tense, with the same speech, the same voice, the same mood, the same person, and the same number as in verse 3. Did you hear? In verse 3, Jesus says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Well, that's about a day to come. Well, he uses the exact same word in the exact same tense, in the exact same phrase, with the exact same number, the exact same person, the exact same mood, exact same speech as in verse 18. Why? Because he's making a point that the two are connected. And it's actually a present tense. It isn't a future tense verb. So the translators shouldn't have put it as, I will come. They should have put it as, I am coming. Why? Because Jesus was saying, as I go to Calvary, I am sending currently, presently, the third person of the Trinity into your midst to be with you. I'm sending the person of the Trinity to be with you. Not I will, I am. 
Verse 19. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. How will we see him? Here's the question. Is he only talking to the disciples? If his words are only to the disciples, then the rest of the then the rest of John is only for the disciples. Then the promises are only to the disciples. Then the warnings are only to the disciples. Then the heedings are only to the disciples. If he's only saying, after my resurrection, you will see me in physical bodily form, then because it's only to the disciples and it's not for us who are yet to come, then the rest of the stuff in John isn't for us. But he is saying, but he is saying, on that day, after a little while, the Lord world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How? How will we see him, and how will we know? It is because the Holy Spirit has been given. We can't see Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We can't know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The only reason these people gave their life to Jesus today is because the Holy Spirit. The only reason they know to give their life to Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The only reason I gave my life to Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The only reason I see him in the text is the Holy Spirit. There are scholars all over the world who read the text and know where to dig to find the artifacts, and they have never met the man from Galilee. They have never met the Nazarene with scars on his back. They do not know the man because you can't see the man without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, don't be troubled. I'm leaving, but you're going to be able to see me and know me even after I'm gone. How? Because I'm sending a person who sees and knows me better than anyone else has ever seen or known me. I'm sending a person who has been with you, but will be in you. And he's going to live in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Jesus does love everybody, but receiving his love is conditional. Jesus loves everybody. He died for the whole world. But you can't receive his love unless you obey. Jesus said that the Father loves him because he does what the Father commands. Doesn't the Father love the Son just because he's the Son? Oh, yeah. But also, he loves the Son because he does what he commands. Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Doesn't the Father love everybody? Kind of. Kind of. Obedience is necessary. The scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And in order to stay in the love of God, it requires obedience. That's not a works thing. That's a love thing. If I continually disregard what Lauren likes, we're not going to be in love very long. If I continually run out and do what I want and neglect what she likes, we're not going to stay in love very long. 
That's a guaranteed way to break up a marriage. That's a guaranteed way to break up a home. To run around and do what Brandon wants rather than sacrifice and lay down my life and give myself over and do what she wants. That's how, that's how I end up in trouble. That's how I end up alone. That's how I end up with a bad back sleeping on a couch. Jesus said that obedience is how we stay in the Father's love. And by obeying, He decides to disclose Himself to us. To manifest or reveal Himself to us. I like that Judas is not Iscariot is the one who falls on the sword here because nobody got it. He says, Judas not Iscariot said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? Nobody understood, but he's the one who dove on it. And here's where, here's where I'll, I'll camp out and then wrap up. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him and make our abode with him. Listen, I'm not trying to talk you out of whatever you think you got up there. I'm not. I'm not. But here's what I want to tell you. That word for abode is used twice in the whole Greek New Testament. Twice. It is used once in verse 23 and it is used once in John chapter 14, verse 2, for dwelling place. It is used twice. Is it true that there are places for us to dwell with Him in eternity? Probably. Likely. I'm sure there is. But the greatest promise of the church is not that there is a dwelling place in eternity. The greatest promise of the church is that eternity has come to dwell in you. The greatest promise of the church is not that there is some eternal dwelling off in the distance for you to move into someday. It is that eternity shacked up and moved on the inside of you when you said yes to Jesus. Paul said, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I don't know about you, but I remember... I remember who I was. I remember how messed up I was, how much of a mess I was, how many mistakes I made and how many wrong turns I took. And Christ moved on the inside of me through the third person of the Trinity who has the exact nature, the exact character, the exact posture of Jesus. He moved on the inside of me and decided to take up his dwelling in me. It pleased God to live in me. The scripture says that the highest of the heavens cannot contain his glory and yet he lives inside of Brandon. And it is foolish for us to put off to eternity what is available now. It is foolish for us to put off to eternity what is available now. God himself lives with his people here and now. He has moved in. It is the greatest promise to the church after the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest thing that God has ever given the church that He Himself 
would give himself to his people. It is what God has always wanted. When God came to Moses, he said, take up an offering from the people and make me a place so that I can come down and dwell with my people. He has always been looking for a place to live with his people. And now he doesn't live in a place made by hands or made by gold that was pillaged from the slave traders or pillaged from those who drove us around in our sin and our shame. He lives on the inside of his people. It is the greatest gift the church has ever known. And it is the testimony of who Jesus is. I read this week. 42,000 religions on the earth today. More than 42,000 religions on the earth today. And did you know we are not the only one with the claim to an empty tomb? I know, I know it's the empty tomb that separates us because ours is really empty. But we are not the only one that claims our tomb is empty. How do we know the tomb is empty? How do you know the tomb is empty? John 7, but this he spake of the Spirit, which had not yet been given, for Jesus had not yet been glorified. It is the indwelling of the person of the Holy Spirit that is the seal, the sign, the declaration, the announcement, the proclamation that Christ Jesus made it to his destination. When he got on a cloud, how do I know he made it to the right hand of the Father? It is the person of the Trinity living on the inside of me, boldly declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord, that I know that he is seated where he said he was seated. How do I know it's real? Because there is a person living on the inside of me. He is not an it or a thing. He's a person who has taken up residence on the inside of me and is holy as the Father is and is holy as Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is just as holy. And He holds me by the hand and walks through every day and Jesus said I'm going to send him to you and if Jesus sent me a gift I'm going to bet nothing got in the way and Jesus said he will be with you forever guess what forever means in the Greek forever I'm not giving him up when I close my eyes. I don't put him on the nightstand when I go to sleep. I don't have to leave him at home when I go to work. He doesn't stay in the shower when I get out. I don't put him away when I go to the gym. When I get into eternity, he's going with me. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. When Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he meant my friend, the Holy Spirit, will never leave you. And the church has to know that she has been given the greatest gift this world has ever known. That God Almighty is roaming the earth inside of her. Not waiting for a trumpet to sound. But waiting on her to open her mouth. And say what thus saith the Lord. You are the dwelling place of God on the earth. Thank God for a building. But the apostle has said for decades now, these chairs cannot praise Him. And these chairs won't move a city. 
It is a people filled with the person of the Holy Spirit that changes the atmosphere of things. He has come to live inside His people to transform us to be like Jesus. To teach us who Jesus is. To reveal the perfection of the Son. And to change the environment around us. John 1 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word for dwelt means tabernacled. Jesus became flesh and He tabernacled when He dwelt. A tabernacle is a temporary dwelling because Jesus only stayed for a short time because He had to go. He came to die. But 1 Corinthians 6 says that Don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? The root Greek word, primary root Greek word for that word temple is to dwell. A temple is not temporary. It is a permanent structure. Jesus came to tabernacle, but the Holy Spirit came to temple with his people. Jesus came for a season, but the Holy Spirit came to stay. Because he has a work to do in and through his people. Yeah, he wants to touch a city, and he ought to touch a city, but he's got to touch my heart first. Yeah, I want to talk about John 15 so bad. He wants to touch my heart first. He's got junk he's got to cut off and throw into a fire. He's got stuff he's got to prune back so that fruit can grow, so that light can get to it. And after he does all that, then a city can eat from the fruit of my branches. He has come to transform his people. But if we neglect the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit to an altar service, to a tongue, to a shout, to a run, to a dance, to interpretation, we have missed the purpose of the person of the Holy Spirit. We have missed the purpose of a person. He is the greatest gift we have ever been given outside of the blood of Jesus. And He is dwelling with His people. Stand with me. Jesus said in John 16, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. I want to preach this too, but I'm going to save it. But we preach that Jesus said it's better that I go because Jesus in bodily form could only be in one place at one time and the Holy Spirit could be everywhere at one time. That's true. But when Jesus says... It's better, that, it's better for you that I go. In that conversation, he, was, he uses you or your several times. All of them are plural. But when he says it's better for you that I go, singular. In other words, Jesus is not just saying, it is true that it's better for the world that Jesus went so the Holy Spirit could come. So that the Holy Spirit could touch the world Because Jesus bodily can't be everywhere like the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. But Jesus was saying, it's better for you individually that I go. Because the Holy Spirit in you is better for you than Jesus across the table from you. The Holy Spirit in you at Costco 
When people with those giant golf cart shopping carts blindly drive around trying to kill children for their free snacks, saying, yield, Brandon, yield. It's better for me than Jesus with a rod whooping my tail in the middle of all those people. The Holy Spirit in me is better. My children are on my nerves. Not because of their fault, but because I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe that's their fault, but... And I want to lose my mind. And the Holy Spirit says, they're just kids. And my heart breaks. I go, you're so right. Help me. Make me like the gentle shepherd who isn't harsh, but lovingly corrects and lovingly rebukes. Oh God, I don't just need a Savior across the table in a conversation. I need a God on the inside who searches the depths of this man. Who sees the motives and pulls out every broken piece. And says, that can't stay, son. I see your heart, but that cannot stay. It's got to go. It's got to go. I like what you're doing there, but there's overgrowth. I've got to trim it back because that fruit will never grow to fruition if I leave that. I need Him. I need Him. I need Him. I need Him. Oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. I need thee every hour. I need thee. We need you, Jesus, by your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the promise of eternity. But I need the promise of here and now. What good does eternity do if I get there and I'm a wreck? I need you here and now, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come even now, Lord, empower and touch your people? Would you baptize us afresh in your love, Lord? Would you baptize us in your grace, Lord? Would you touch us by your mercy, Lord, by your kindness? Lord, help us to be a people who never forget the greatness of the gift that we've been given. The incredible gift that's been extended to us. The mercy and kindness of God that He would come and live on the inside of us to lead us and guide us and direct us, to mold us and change us and shape us, to make us true sons and daughters. You correct us so lovingly. Oh, even your harsh correction is so gentle and so merciful, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Come on, can you just thank him for just a minute? I know, I know we got baptisms to get to, but can you just, just for a minute, just acknowledge his presence? Lord, we thank you. Paul said, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord. We thank you for your lordship in our life. Holy Spirit, we yield to the lordship of your presence, your voice in our life. Give us grace, Holy Spirit, to yield when you speak, to obey when you speak. Give us boldness to say yes when you say will you, to say yes when you say go, to say yes when you say do, Lord. Give us boldness, Lord. Let us be a people, a people of your presence. God forbid we have the gifts. And as Pastor Matt has said so often, we don't have the fruit. We don't have a life that walks in intimacy with your person. Thank you, Lord, that you've come to live with us. You've come to live with us. We love you. Hey, Jacob, real quick, man. I know you're busy. I feel like I'm supposed to do this out loud. I'm going to pray for you. like the Lord said it, it feels like a temporary assignment it feels like a temporary moment but it's an assignment what you do up here is not just a fill in it's an assignment I feel like the Lord said this this is the breaking of Gideon's jars these are the jars of Gideon the Lord took a massive army of Gideon and he trimmed it down to 300 men. And he put trumpets in one hand and he put jars in the other and in the jars were flames and he set them at strategic positions and he told them, when I tell you, break the jars. And what seemed foolish on the outside and what seemed like a, like a silly moment on the outside was an assignment from God. What, what often feels like, God, I'm wasting my time here is a divine assignment and it doesn't make any sense in the natural maybe it just feels like a gift and maybe it just feels like well yeah of course I, I I'm fitting in here because God I've got the talent or God I'm the only one who can do it but it's an assignment the Lord assigned you to that place you didn't land there by accident you're standing at a post and it's an assignment and those are not drums, they are jars. And every time you hit a cymbal and every time you hit a tom, you're breaking a jar. And it sends confusion into the camp of the enemy. It sends confusion into the atmosphere. It makes no sense in the natural. And even in your ears, it makes no sense. But it is a sweet sound into the ears of your Father. And doing what the Father has asked you to do is better than sacrifice. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. And he is pleased with your obedience. But I want you to hear this. I feel like the Lord said to say this. The men didn't stand and break jars forever. You won't have to stand and break jars for forever. You've broken jars for a season and you've done well. But there was an allotted time for breaking jars. There was an allotted time for standing on the post. There was an allotted time for that season. And then the Lord said, now move in and take what the enemy has left behind. You've done well for a season. You've done well in this moment. Don't rush moving from this spot. But there will come a moment when the Lord says, now. Now is the time to move. Now is the time to go forward. Now is the time to step in. Now is the time to take what's been left over because you said yes to doing what didn't make sense in a season. Don't move until you hear the voice of the Father. Don't move until you hear the voice of the King. Don't move until you see confusion in the camp of the enemy. But when you do, don't walk. Make sure you run when you see confusion in the camp of the enemy. Father, release the run in the camp. Release the run in the camp. Release the run in the camp. We thank you, Father, for your grace. For your grace to do what seems foolish in a season. Oh, that you would raise up a people that say yes to what seems ridiculous in a season. Oh, God, I feel the presence of the Lord. that we would be a people that say yes to the foolishness of a moment to step into the spoils of tomorrow hey thank you Lord thank you for the foolishness of a moment oh it makes no sense in the now I want to make no sense now so I can step into the glory of tomorrow thank you Lord oh somebody lift your hands thank you Lord Oh, we bless you, Lord. A fresh season, a fresh season of surrender. No more contingencies, no more contingencies, no more maybes. No more will sees, no more if, ands, and buts, but a fresh season of surrender that says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. If you'll supply the anointing, you can have whatever you want. God, if you'll go, I'll go. If you'll be there, I'll be there. If you'll show up, I'll show up. I don't care who else is there. If it's 300 of us, I'll go. If it's only me, I'll go.
Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. Come Holy Spirit, rest on your people. Rest on us. Rest on us. Rest on us. baptisms to get to but Pastor Matt feels like if you're in the room this morning and you would say I want more of the Holy Spirit I want you to come up front the Lord is in the room and he is ready and willing to touch people and we're going to get to baptisms boy that tank is dangerous right now that tank is dangerous right now 
If you're in the room this morning and you want or need more of the Holy Spirit, if you just say, I want a fresh baptism of your presence, of your love, your power, your fire, would you come up front? This is what happens when the Holy Spirit walks into a room. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Fall on your people, Lord. Fall on your people, Lord. Come. Come in great power. Come in great power. Come in great power, Lord. Fall on your people, Lord. Fall on your people, Lord.
Hallelujah. You're all we want, Lord. You're all we want. Come on, cry out to him. Come on. Oh, he's here to hear us today. Hallelujah. God forbid we baptize in water and not in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on. You're all we want. Fresh baptism, God. Fresh fire, Lord. Fresh fire, Lord Jesus. We seek you, Lord. Fresh fire, Lord. place. The Lord is here. The water's trouble. Anybody else want the Holy Ghost in this place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rest on us. You're all we want.
listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.